Um, so, welcome to episode two of Keep It Renal. If you haven't checked out episode one, I strongly suggest you start there, as this series of episodes is dealing with an interview we did with Cade over the course of about two hours, talking about his patient journey um, with nephrotic syndrome, uh, starting out from when he first started to notice symptoms right up to the current day and where he is now. Uh, in the first episode, uh, we left Cade as he was just about to start his prednisolone treatment. So we begin this episode talking about steroids and their side effects, um, and then go on to talking about something that we call the circulating factor disease. Um, so I hope you hear a lot in this episode about what we think might be causing the type of disease that Cade has. As we go through this episode, we, always, we also talk about the dangers of Dr. Google and doing your own research. Of course, this is the type of thing that Kidney Research UK are there for, uh, and we definitely recommend getting any information you want about kidney disease through the Kidney Research UK website. So let Kidney Research UK sift out the facts from the fiction um, and get your dose of research directly from them. You know, it's the good stuff. I'd like to add that all information included in the following recording is my own opinion when I'm speaking and that of Dr. Caroline Platt, who is my co-host for this series of episodes. Um, our, our opinions are our own and do not represent the opinions of the organisations that we work for. So with no further ado then, we rejoin Cade as we're talking about steroid treatment and their side effects. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was a few months mm. on, on steroids, um, on the prednisolone that, that, that was. Um, um, I think... The only side effects I got from, well, the visible side effects I got from um, the prednisolone was the the thinning of the skin. Mm. Um, that was the only really thing I noticed. Oh, right, I didn't even know that was the thing. Yeah. So what's what's that? Do you, are you like more susceptible to getting cuts or something? Um, y- yes. Exactly as you say, really. Yeah. I mean, the thinning of the skin. You know, you bruise more easily. Oh, okay. your, your, your skin just becomes a little bit more fragile. Right. Um, but it's not something actually that I've. Heard. Most people don't put that up there with their top experiences actually um from my experience but that's really it is a a recognized thing um i didn't i just noticed i didn't notice many side effects Mm, maybe other people did nice that's good i guess i personally didn't except for after a while it wasn't visible at first it was after a while that i started to notice okay all right um i must be having my skin's getting thinner because with all the edema yeah starting to stretch my skin and, and then stretch marks would, would be visible. Yeah. Um, which again, if if mm. you you've got prednisolone, it's going to be more mm. more susceptible to having those um, stretch marks. Yeah. So I got quite a lot on my legs, um, and uh, yeah, well, mostly my legs at first. So. So how long were you on the steroids for, and did they work? Well, it was it was about two months. Wow, that long? Maybe, yeah. Um, it might have been less. I can't, yeah. I can't remember. It was a while ago. Mm. But um, no, they didn't work. Right. They didn't do anything. No. Right. Um, so I think that was then they said it was steroid resistant. Yeah. Which put me in a, a bit of a harder category to deal yeah. with. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so if you generally, if you haven't responded to your high-dose treatment within a four-week or thereabouts time period, then then we would classify you as having primary steroid-resistant nephrotic syndrome. And as you say, that puts you on a slightly different trajectory to children with 
a simpler type of the disease, which is steroid responsive at the, from the outset. But at this point, we're starting to narrow down, you know, in, yeah. in a really macabre game of guess who. Yeah. We're flicking various yeah. tiles down and trying to narrow down, hopefully, what's exactly, going on. yeah, yeah. So that's the first sign that things were were going to be slightly, probably slightly more challenging for yeah. you. Um, yeah. That was quite a setback then. Um, I, I guess it probably it would have been yes. Um, Did you not feel feel that at the time? I, I mean, just, how much I were just, you consulting Doctor Google at this point? Like? <laughs> I, I, do you know, what? I never ever looked at Google. Okay. Wow. I never yeah. looked at the internet. Hey, fair play to you. Yeah. yeah. And I, it was, it's good, but at the same time, it's also bad. Yeah. Because the doctors also like kind of suggested like go to this website, have a yeah. look at this, you'll yeah. learn a lot more about what's going on. Yeah. But I, I didn't. Yeah. And I, whether that was just me being lazy or No, I don't oh, think it's that but, at all. I think I think if it depends what sort of person you are. Yeah, some people definitely. some people don't want to know. Maybe feel an element of control perhaps mm. if they know at least what's going on. But I mean if you can't if you can't do anything about it. Yeah. And I think it's a great approach. I mean I'm a massive warrior and warrior yeah. never achieves anything. So if you can just be a bit more I mean, you come across as very zen and sort of <laughs> you know, well yeah. balanced. So yeah, I mean I why not? Be. Why you know, 'cause I, I my thumb was twitching the other day. Yeah, and I googled it just to see what was going on. Before you know it, you're on a page about your hand falling off, yeah, and it's, yeah. it's only when I sort of engaged the rational side of my brain, like, no, your thumb's twitching. There's nothing wrong with it. you know. Yeah. But I'm totally a googler, even though I know it's not it's not the done thing. You know, I, yeah. I, I as a scientist, I know you, I should only be looking at you know peer reviewed well, yeah, articles, and there I am on some random page saying I've got the plague because my you, hand's twitching. You've got to be very aware of of the rogue sites out there that yeah. feed you lots of misinformation. But if you if you don't know, then it's really hard to know which those are. So Exactly, yeah. But if you if you are the kind of person that wants to know what's going on, mm. I think you should definitely be checking out oh, yes, like Kidney yeah. Research UK's yeah. website and use them as a portal. Mm. It's sort of their job to filter the misinformation and get the right information out there. So if you are the sort of person that wants to, you know, really drill down and sort of try and figure out what's going on... Mm. Um, then that's that's definitely a thing to do. My mum was one of those people. Yeah, she yeah, was yeah. a Googler. Yeah. She she uh, is still a Googler. She she's yeah. definitely looks about things mm. and, and likes to know everything about yeah. it, which is fair enough. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, everyone's got their yeah. own way of coping with it. There's no right way or wrong way. I would just say Google's tough because you yeah. might see something that's really scary and not yeah. necessarily true. But I think, well, your mum must have been doing it for years now, so mm. she's probably quite well um, adapted yeah. at knowing where to look. I mean, we, I don't know whether you had this when you first presented, possibly not, but we now have this InfoKid um, website uh, or resource. Yes, yeah, that um, was the thing that you looked at. Yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. that, we always say to our kidney oh, patients, really use that. It's, re- it's really good. It's got lots of uh, great yeah. information on it for patients and families. And um, yeah. yeah, she she used that. I personally learned everything about me and my condition through doctors. Yeah. And listening to doctors, listening to other people's stories, mm. and just just kind of like following along with everything yeah. as it's been going along. Um, and I think equally, I've kind of got enough information, the same information as I would have done if I looked up yeah. on the internet. So yeah, that's just my way of no, uh, learning. Yeah, no, um, some great. people are different. It's the information that's in, that, that's specific to you, isn't yes, it? You know, yeah. it's not it's it's your journey, not someone else's. Yeah. So. Um, you've got to do what you've different. got to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just it's just about trying to help people get the right information, I guess. Exactly. But yeah, that's yeah. what yeah. this is about. This is hopefully going to be a source of information yeah. 
for people. Um, and I'm not just thinking for patients. I'm thinking for scientists to listen mm. to and perhaps get a better perspective of mm. what's going on. Because exactly. the hospital tours is just a completely different site. Yeah. Um, you know, so the the lab in Bristol, although it's quite near to the children's hospital, it is it is a separate building. Mm. Um, you know, and it is it's quite an alien world to us. Although we use a lot of the same language and are thinking mm. about the same sort of things, we're not we're not yeah. public facing. Really, you're not involved with the patients. You no. just look at cells yeah. and and all the biology and chemistry side of things. Yeah. Um, Whereas uh, me and Caroline, we're kind of we're You're more than one of the patients in that. Yeah. So me being the patient might not know exactly what's going on in the labs. Yeah. Whereas you scientists don't really know what's going on with us. No. So this is this is great. This yeah, is great. No, so yeah. It, Get this it, information it, out. And translating what you do into into real differences for patients is the whole purpose of it, really. Yeah. Yeah. For patients to know what's going on yeah, in the labs yeah, yeah. with their with their mm, yeah. um, blood and other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, is is quite a, a nice thing to know. Yeah, yeah. Whilst you're waiting for results, and yeah. great to know that people are looking into how we can make things better for patients at the science level. You know what? What's exactly you know, what's what's going on behind the scenes? Are, exactly, knowing that people are there's money going into it, there's research going into it um, to to take the to take the disease management forward. Really, because um, that's what it's all about. So your stories didn't work. No, steroids don't work. And then what, you go back to the children's hospital, I guess, for some routine appointment and they're saying the steroids aren't working. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think after that, they uh, scheduled me in for a biopsy. Yeah. Yeah, biopsy yeah. time. Woohoo! Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, 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 we do quite a few biopsies at the children's hospital and, and this is a situation in which you'd absolutely need to have yes. a piece of kidney to look at under the microscope really to tell us what the what the pathology is um and, and with that you can you can you have your diagnosis really um along with usually some genetic studies as well yeah um but in your case um i think that the biopsy led us to realize that you had the type of nephrotic syndrome which you did that we, that we call fsgs i just want to say what a biopsy is yeah uh, so a biopsy is when um pieces of um, uh, tissue um is uh is, is taken from um the body of the, of the person with um the, the illness um and is taken out um and is looked under a microscope to see what exactly is going on in those cells mm. so in my case um, I was had a bit of my kidney snipped off, very 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 small bit, um, and then that was looked under a microscope, and then and and then took from there there onwards. So that's one of the ways we define which nephrotic syndrome you've got. So a lot of it's defined sort of what they call histologically. So there are certain patterns and features you mm. see from these biopsy cores, but quite timely actually. Only last week I've been looking at a lot of kidney biopsies. From patients, so you probably given a form to you can be given a form to tick yeah. and say your consent for research. Now that gets banked, um, totally anonymized, um, so you know there's no trace to your name. But there are clinical details attached to that biopsy. So what what we can do as researchers is we can say right, well we've seen these these features in the lab. We've seen because ultimately we want to look for features that are less invasive. Biopsies are painful for the patient um, and. There's a certain amount of subjectivity in terms of determining what disease type you might have. Um, so if we can find something that's a bit more concrete and less invasive, that's great. But at the moment, mm. we still need to try and use biopsies to try and figure that out. But 
I I got a range of biopsies uh, sent through from Southampton, I think, where they collected a load and they had biopsies from patients with FSGS, which is focal segmental glomerular sclerosis. Try saying that four times fast. <laughs> uh, minimal change. So uh, that's sort of a... I don't know, we probably Caroline's better explaining the different types than I. So, yeah, minimal change. I sort of well, see mi- it as that... similar to FSGS, but less severe, perhaps. Well, mi- minimal change... It, it... It, it, it describes what you see under the microscope, which is virtually nothing. So mm. you you know you don't the, the biopsy specimen essentially looks pretty normal under mm-hmm. the microscope. And minimal change disease is is really a different subtype of nephrotic syndrome that that is has a much better outlook overall mm-hmm. um, generally. Um, and it's the most common form of the disease that we see. Um, but histologically, so what you see under the microscope is is is, is nothing really minimal, minimal mm. change on biopsy. Yeah, and, yeah. and again, focal segmental glomerulosclerosis describes what you see yeah. because it's focal and segmental, which means it's not all of your glomeruli, which is like the small type bore, which is actually where the the filtering occurs in your kidney. So you might have, if you look under a microscope, you might have one glomerulus that's completely fine. And the one next to it might have half of it that is sclerosed. Um, so it's starting to get fibrotic, yeah, starting to yeah. scar. It just doesn't look good. And they'll be, they'll be sort of, depending on what stage, they'll either be protein just flooding through there because mm. the barrier's not working. Or if it's completely scarred, you get no filtering at all. Mm. Um, so that was what, I guess that's what your mum Googled, FSGS. Mm. Yeah, well, that once the results came back yeah. as FSGS, yeah, which is what I do, I do have. Was there any yeah. relief in, uh, you know, diagnosis? I know sometimes if, if you sort of know who you're fighting, you can start yeah. to gear yeah. up for it. Or... No one wants to hear a diagnosis, but yeah. once when I found out what it was, I was kind of glad that they kind of know what they need to go towards. Uh, yeah. Which is, um, yeah, so I didn't mean yeah. to be flipping it in terms of people being happy about. Yeah, no, 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 I know exactly yeah, what you mean. It can definitely yeah. provide a relief that someone yeah, knows exactly. what we're dealing with, and it's not an unknown because a lot of people don't have a diagnosis, and that's a really difficult thing in itself. I think for knowing a that family. exactly sometimes knowing that you have a diagnosis yeah. can be bad, but other times knowing that you haven't got a diagnosis but something's wrong yeah, it's, is equally, or sometimes yeah. even worse. Yeah, I think than yeah. probably that. that's the almost like the better case. the devil you know sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Um, so what was the treatment plan then? Uh, tacrolimus. Right. Tacrolimus, is I'm saying that right? Yep. Yeah, tacrolimus. Tacrolimus, yep. yes, which is a immunosuppressant drug, a bit like prednisolone, but not steroids. Um, and that is to try and uh, stop my immune system mm-hmm. from attacking my kidneys, mm-hmm. which is what we kind of assumed would, was, was being mm. the case for the um, condition being caused was the... my immune system decided to attack my kidneys, yes. causing the scarring mm. and everything from So I'll on. talk a little bit more about this in detail later on, but just as a quick yeah. insight, this is actually the, the disease that my research uh, programme has been focused on mm. that I've been working on for about six years now. Um, and we think... So it's called circulating factor disease. It's sort of a subtype of FSGS. And that's FSGS that isn't caused by a genetic mutation. It's caused by something being released by your immune system that travels via the circulation. We think the target cell is this cell called the podocyte, um, which is a bit like an octopus that sits on the blood vessels within the glomerulus, and its tentacles wrap around the capillaries, and it's between its tentacles where you actually get the filtration. Now, whatever this factor is, the podocyte doesn't like it. 
So when it sees it, its tentacles retract. And at that point, you've got no filtration anymore. Protein will be leaking into the urine. Now, that can be sort of transient. Um, So, you know, there might be some patients where they recover from that, the podocytes recover and um, they get remission of their symptoms. But there's, we don't, there's lots of different theories that I'll probably talk about a bit later on about the actual source of this factor and what this factor is. And if we can sort of get a better handle on that, then hopefully we could sort of stop these things. But yeah, that was just a little interruption from me to sort of signpost what might be no, no, research-wise. But yeah, that is I'm very honoured that it, that you're the first one on because it's actually my research yeah. project. So um, I probably should say sorry to Cade every time I have a day off. But um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that's absolutely fine. Uh, so yeah, I'm actually giving. Yeah, I should be in the lab right now. Actually, maybe <laughs> to do work while I'm here. Um, cool. So yeah, the FSGS. Uh, so you're on tacrolimus, which is hopefully yes. a different way of suppressing the immune system. Yeah. So if we think there's factors coming from the immune system, if we can dampen that down, hopefully we dampen down however much circulating factors mm. there. Steroids should do it. Probably could do it in certain mm-hmm. cases. Don't. So then we move on to tacrolimus. Yeah. And I mean, tacrolimus is, you know, it's it's definitely the, the next stage in managing someone where we've got a diagnosis like yours, uh, particularly in, in children where we don't have a confirmed genetic cause of their nephrotic syndrome, as Carl just mentioned. Um, it, again, is a, is a drug that comes with a, a heap of side effects, actually, some of which are more pronounced than others, and people's experience of it are very individual. And, again, it's probably helpful to hear whether you found that you experienced any side effects on tacrolimus. I, um, I think I did, yes. Um, my hair uh, either got thinner or thicker. I think it probably got thicker. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, That's a bonus. Bonus, <laughs> winning. Bonus, yeah. <laughs> Don't want to go bold, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, uh, yeah, I think... Um, but, but then again, having hair so thick, it, it does just change your look completely. Um, I did go quite pale as well. Mm. Um, yeah, um, which was, um, I wouldn't say not nice because, you know, you, just, you don't really notice it as such. Other people notice it. Yeah. Um, but Yeah. And then you're sort of having to explain to everyone at times, perhaps when you just yeah. sort of forget about it, people are like, oh, you look pale. Yeah, like, oh, you, you, know, you look really ill. It's like, oh, like I am, but uh, And it seems aggressive if you turn around and be like, yeah, and you've got a big nose, so yeah. what, what are we yeah. doing here? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, and sometimes just trying to explain to them like what's going on is just, yeah. it, it can be a bit bit difficult to do sometimes yeah. just don't want to listen or, or they just don't know well, what it's you quite mean. personal as well isn't yeah. it you know yeah you know not many people telling... want to explain it as yeah. such but um for me if someone wanted to know i'll tell them yeah you know if they, they want to know that's, that's great if they don't want to know then that's fine yeah i tell them yeah yeah mm. so how long are you on the tacrolimus for is that another sort of four weeks like the steroids well, usually we use it for longer than that. It can be yeah. extensive periods of time, and it sort of depends on how someone responds to it. If you make a response to it, then we we can keep it going for you know periods of up to two years, possibly longer, depending on on the control of the disease. Really, yes, yeah. I know I was um, uh, increased at an increased dose every now mm. and then because it just it wasn't working mm. right. So you're having sort of checkups within this period, are you? Like mm. blood tests and urine dips and stuff like that. Yeah, they've got and to then make they're sure. upping the dose. 
Yeah, we've got to make sure it's, it's yeah. right in the blood as well. And right, it has to be, much. yeah, it's, it's a, a drug that works. And, and we, we, we titrate it to, to produce a certain level of it circulating around your, your system, really. Um, and sometimes we need to use bigger doses. Everyone metabolizes tacrolimus slightly differently. Um, but because it does suppress your immune system quite significantly, and in particular these cells called T cells, which are... Uh, part of the way that your body responds to infection we have to be quite cautious that you know Cade in that situation was quite uh, at risk of infection and we monitor that with with blood tests as well to make sure that the bone marrow is still able to produce cells that fight infection and that we're not over suppressing things because that has its own that can be um, very dangerous yeah, yeah it's a very dangerous drug yeah. yeah i mean your body's quite a delicately balanced yeah. system people might come across the word homeostasis it's how your body mm. tries to maintain a constant internal environment now in this case we're wanting to dampen the immune system to stop mm. it throwing out whatever it's throwing out but we don't want to stop it completely you getting exactly. ill you know so yeah it's definitely a, a balancing act um and you know really important that Cade was aware that when he was on the treatment should he have a temperature or any signs of infection that would have been a really significant thing and we'd have to treat that very very quickly very quickly and uh and assess yeah. what was going on very rapidly really so that's the same for all of our patients on this sort of immunosuppression um specifically yeah. with tacrolimus should you have them take it like 12 hours apart yeah, so you yeah. take a dose twice a day, and yeah. um, and we monitor it's the very levels. Very important after. having yeah. to do that that, yeah. that time yeah. difference because yeah. of, of the levels in yeah. the body again. Because like you said, if it's mm. not the right level, yeah. And how's, that on your, how's that on your mind? Because yeah, I sort of feel pretty like tough. pretty tough. You're having to set reminders yeah. for yourself, maybe on your phone, have a little alarm going off. You're you're never. I mean, you're probably not able to forget about it anyway if you're not feeling great. But I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, just that but, mental escape hmm. you might need just to sort of forget about. It. You can't even forget about it for a day because you are oh, taking these yeah. drugs every twelve it's hours. Quite a lot of pressure. And so you were, it wasn't just the only drug that you were taking. No, no, at the time. exactly. You know, I was taking a lot. abundance of mm. them. Yeah, it was. It was like going from a few months ago, doing nothing, not taking anything, yeah. to now I'm taking all these yeah. medication. Um, and I would always make sure I took them when I woke up and uh, I took them before I go to bed. Yeah. So that that was a very good thing to have. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to take them at uh, 10 o'clock um, in the morning and then take them at 10 o'clock in the evening. Mm. It's like I'll, I'll wake up. Usually I woke up at the same time every day, took them around the same time, yeah. and I just went to bed at the same time, yeah. which is, again, very, very useful to have uh, that kind of uh, routine. So at what point did they sort of assess whether... Tacrolimus was working or not? Um, Caroline, well, I mean, stage. you know, usually we give people a, a window of time, you know, th three to six months before we'll sort of say, look, this treatment's not looking like it's working. It's a bit variable depending on the person, but we do, you you do want to allow it time to work because it, it, it it's a long-term agent rather than something that we're expecting to see results from very quickly. Um, and in, in, in your case, Kate, I... I that You'll have nothing. to remind yeah. me about how, how in, that in, went for you. In my case, like you were saying, um, I had the time given um, for yeah. for it to do its job, and it, it wasn't showing much much stuff. I think to to know whether it was working or not, mm. it was seeing if I was leaking any more protein, um, and to see if I was maybe peeing more mm. because some because you're not passing the the urine, and you're not going to be peeing them as much at all, um, and. 
and uh, yeah, there, it was there was not much difference. I would have to dip my urine every day just to see mm. what, what was going on. Yeah, if there was still blood and 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 uh, protein in, in the urine. Like you wouldn't see the blood. It, it's a small amounts, mm. but because it's spread out, you, you just don't you don't see it. Mm. Yeah. But um, again, they were picked up by uh, by the dipsticks. Yeah. I mean, did it make, I mean, as you were going through this and obviously hoping that you'd show some response to the treatment, how, what were your emotions like while things weren't looking as if they were going in the right direction? And how did you feel about that? Strangely, I felt like it wasn't going to work from the beginning. Oh, I, I, it's, it's, I don't know why. Just, mm. just had this feeling that it's just not going to work. That's quite dark. That's yeah. quite yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. It, I, I wasn't like I wasn't trying to look on the bright side. No, no. It was more of a case I just like just protecting felt. yourself from yeah. disappointment. Yeah, it's it's better to be be ready for the disappointment yeah. than to be ready for the excitement and then be disappointed. Yeah. That whole thing of yeah. pessimists are never disappointed. Sort yeah, of thing. <laughs> yeah. But um, I think it, it did kind of. It does have a knock-on effect on you. It mm. does. You know, you're really just kind of just taking back the whole, oh, okay, what to do now? And are you still going to on? school at this point? Mm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, um, yes. I, I just started year 11 at this point. Right. So GCSEs? So. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I that's the other side of it, isn't it? Because life goes yeah. on, the world doesn't stop turning, you're not well, and unfortunately in this sort of exam regulated world your GCSEs are always the gateway to anything else that you want L- literally, to literally yeah I mean, you know I'm not saying it should be like that but they've no. certainly built up to be to yeah. be that way GCSE is that an extra de- pressure yes yeah. yeah yeah well GCSEs are definitely something you need to need to have and, and everyone has them um, and employers look for them mm. so yeah it's um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big thing um, it, it was a lot of pressure on it yes um, with with my GCSEs, just me personally, I wasn't really a revisor. I don't really like sitting down, reading, yeah. reading all through things. It just kind of... No feeling. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I had no yeah. excuse. <laughs> you had to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but, um, yeah, I, I got through it. I did have to drop a subject, which is unheard of. Right. But because which one did you drop? I dropped Spanish. Ah, oh, well, yeah. So yeah. It's, not, it's not not needed. I did like Spanish. I did like it. I do love it. It's great. If you can order a beer yeah. in Spanish, that's all you fantastic. need. Fantastic. Yeah, ask where yeah. the library is. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Did, did you drop it because was it because you were feeling ill or because the pressure of having to deal with everything that was going on psychologically it was, was too much? It was yes. It was it was that and just a mixture of I just and have the time and just mm. have the the energy to to keep up all mm. this work that I was mm. doing yeah. with um with I had already done. A year of, of Spanish because used to see to two years, so I had done a year of it. But when it got to year eleven, just everything else mm. was just I was yeah. mi- mi- missing lessons. Cause I had to go to hospital appointments every Monday. Yeah, and yeah. I, yeah, it's pretty exactly. full on. And, and it, yeah, and how much of your hospital follow up was in your local, your local with your local team, and how much was, were you coming to Bristol at that stage? Were you having to do a lot of travelling still? Oh, I wasn't going to my local team at it all. It was just Bristol. It was just yeah. Bristol. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that's a three-hour round trip every yeah. time. Yeah, especially with the roads to Yeovil. Yeah, nightmare. Yeah, they can be, and sometimes my appointments were early in the morning. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I should apologise for dragging Kate out here for ten o'clock this morning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's ridiculous. <laughs> can't, can't believe it. No, it's absolutely fine. No, yeah. I used to be able to do something. Yeah. So. 
But and I guess by this stage, you know, some of the tiredness might have been in part because your kidney disease was becoming more pronounced so your kidneys were actually starting to show signs of stress yeah. because of all the protein leak and the disease activity well yeah it's, it's funny we were talking about that earlier weren't we um about maybe my uh, when i had my first blood test yeah. at my gp that um that nothing was shown yeah. because perhaps just there was just no obvious signs and there was no stress on yeah. the kidneys yet which is funny because when i had my first um egfr test which is a kidney kidney um well, to show how how yeah. much filtering your kidneys actually doing yeah. in yeah. a sort of percentage term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, how how well they are performing. Um, my first one came back as 121, right? Which so is that's totally normal, which is above normal, perfect. amazing. Yeah, more it. than perfect. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I remember that number very well oh, because goodness, of how interesting. just of how well they were yeah. functioning. And you probably felt quite reassured at that yeah. point. Did you? Yeah. Like, well, okay. I was like, oh, okay, well, my kidneys are working absolutely fine. But <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so what's going on? Uh, but I just, in, in yeah. the first two months, my kidneys crashed down to 60. Mm. Wow. So they halved. So, yes, half, yeah. Halved in, in two months. It, I remember that because it just went... Because mm. this is the thing, we're talking about these lengthy treatments, but yeah. all the while, because your disease is not being treated, it is progressing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I think sometimes the medication can also have an impact. Well, definitely. On it. You know that we know that tacrolimus. Unfortunately, it's one of the drugs that's hugely helpful yeah. in much of kidney medicine, but it definitely is is nephrotoxic or, or d- damaging to kidneys at the same time. Which is why it's a it's a balance balancing act in terms of how much you use of it, um, and you have to be really conscious of those those side effects. So trying to get the right treatment as quickly mm. as possible. And like yeah. lesser of two evils, yeah. like, yeah, yeah tacrolimus exactly. might hurt the kidneys, but if but you actually, can get this immune system under yeah. control, it, whatever's yeah. going on. The kidneys will suffer if the immune system dysregulation is not controlled. So exactly. that's, you know, you're always, you're always balancing things um, generally in medicine, really. Well, I'm really um, glad I'm not in charge of these decisions. <laughs> I don't think I can handle that sort of pressure. So... Mm. End of your tacrolimus treatment. What, what what sort of fork in the road are we at now? I think when we got to the end of it, I was then put on MMF, um, yeah, which is another type of immunosuppressant. Yeah. Um, okay, but I was put on. So just we're just trying diff- more and more different yeah, methods so to try and get this immune yeah, system down. There are two agents that we use to con- try and control this disease, and MMF. Um, it stands for mycophenolate mofetil, and it's it's another agent that again is a heavy immune suppressing drug um, that works slightly differently to the way that tacrolimus works, and and hasn't been um, uh, our first line treatment in in patients like Cade, but is is becoming more evidence based in its use in nephrotic syndrome generally. So, um, but it's certainly another another agent that we sometimes use in addition or as an alternative. Yeah, well, I think I was first started off um, after my attack line was just on the MMF yeah. for a, um, I can't remember how long, but I was on that for a little while. Mm. Um, and then when nothing was really being shown, then I was put on both tacrolimus yeah. and right. MMF. And that's right. quite a big decision because, yeah. you know, those are two big guns, immunosuppressants. And that, uh, you know, every agent comes with its risks. And when you have them both in one go, yeah. then that's yeah. a real additive. So it, it's not done without... Um, significant thinking and planning but i think at that stage probably we were in a situation where your kidneys were declining and we thought you know this is we really need to push with some really active treatment here to try and avoid you going into full-blown renal failure exactly yeah um so i was put on them both for a little while 
um, but nothing was happening. I think that made me feel really bad being on both MMF right. and yeah, uh, Attack yeah. Line was not good at all. Mm. So it just didn't feel... Just, it was horrible. Um, so I was taken off of MMF and continued on the Tacrolimus, um, which to me feel better, but still, this Tacrolimus is not going to make you feel great. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think um, I, I just continued on that for a little while until something else was, was um, thought of. And what was that stage then? So you're back at the children's hospital probably in another consultation where you're feeling yeah rubbish and just yes nothing well, seems to be working exactly um i do remember a few times i had to have fluid removed right because i was um had quite a lot on yeah um and that was done through albumin infusions mm. uh, which is an interesting interesting Experience. thing to have yeah so i guess what if you're putting albumin back into circulation, yeah. the osmosis is such that the fluid comes back. Yeah, it, it encourages fluid to shift from the the extravascular or outside uh, blood vessel space into the blood vessels so that you can either wee it out or it is dialysed out depending on how well your kidneys are filtering at the time that you receive it. Um, and it's it's a treatment that we do use in nephrotic syndrome, but it, it's, um, it, it's, it's, it can be quite a dangerous treatment. So we, we need to be um, very sure that we're using it in the appropriate setting and that we have the facilities available should should the treatment not have the desired effect, really. So I think at your stage, you were still passing urine at that stage i was yes you went you yeah went luckily i was still passing urine no no yeah not at that yeah. stage i uh it was less than what i used to yeah but i was still passing some yeah so we would probably have given you this high strength albumin solution over i think you, we usually give it over a period of a few hours and then you recruit you all of this volume all this fluid that is sitting in your tissues and causing you to be uncomfortable um uh, into your blood vessels uh and and then your your kidneys will wee it out wee out the the excess fluid yeah and we sometimes encourage that with using diuretics like fruzamide yes. and things like yes, that yes they so. used that with me and that was very yeah it did that worked yeah <laughs> yeah it, that did it work. can have a dramatic effect and the, the, the problem with it often is that it's not a sustained effect so the fluid would usually reaccumulate once your blood albumin drops again yes. because the the protein that we put in through the drip will be peed out with your with the rest of your protein in your urine yeah exactly yeah um so yeah i had that a few times just mm. to get everything out and I did have a, a significant effect on me losing the fluid, and I did lose quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. And I was very skinny afterwards. Yeah, very, very skinny. So, and you could definitely tell there was a lot of stretch marks. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah. Um. I think, um, later down the line, I was then put on. I had some genetic tests. I know mm. that I did have some genetic tests throughout my time. Mm. Um. And. To, to, to see if they um, matched any of the um, other genes that have been identified as caused uh, yeah. causing this because the immunosuppressants weren't working. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And that's, that, that, yeah, and that's, that's one of the sort of forks and roads. Yeah. If it doesn't work, we think it might be a genetic, say we, the royal we. Uh, <laughs> but we, there are a panel of what we call nephrotic genes mm-hmm. and they tend to be... And this is why we've sort of identified the podocyte as the key cell because they tend to, some of them are podocyte specific, uh, and they're things called nephrin and podocin, and they actually form the sieve. 
it's these like little bridges that um plug the gaps between the cells and it's just like your sieve at home if you imagine that mesh these genes are making that mesh and if you've got a mutation in those you end up nephrotic and you're not going to respond to steroids mm. because it's a genetic cause uh, and these patients often uh, end up having transplants luckily that transplant that's put in will probably have been from a patient that had a functional copy of the genes so that's a functional kidney mm. um i think you know that's what your group in the lab or not you specifically but there's a lot of work within your your lab group with Moyne Professor Salim who does a lot of work on yeah. the genetics of nephrotic syndrome and is interested in understanding that in a lot more detail and I think we now have about 70 known nephrotic um, genes that we, we we screen for in patients who we think might have a genetic disease. Yeah um, and Aga yeah. Bozinska who works in the lab with Moyne we're getting down into the detail now of looking at multiple genes so you've mm -hmm. not got mutations in the main genes but you might have a couple of you know mutations in genes that are perhaps less important in this disease but they have an additive effect mm. um and again you would be steroid resistant in all likelihood because there's not an immune component um steroids will work if there is an immune component and you've got what we call the circulating factor disease um but unfortunately, you can have circulating factor disease and you're, for whatever reason, the immune system does not respond to treatments. Mm -hmm. so this sounds like what was perhaps going on with UK is that you've, you've got circulating factor disease. It's causing FSGS. The clinicians are putting you on immunosuppressants to try and, you know, dampen mm. down this circulating factor. But it's, it's not, not working. working. And, you and, know, some people just have a really aggressive form of the disease and that is just, just as it is. It is. Mm. But... Yeah. Um, you know, really tricky. It's definitely the most tricky disease that we manage, really, in kidney for for our patient group. Well, some yeah. people have T cells that actually have a pump on it that throws the steroid yeah. out. So as much as you're being treated with steroids, so it's getting into your circulation, getting yeah, into the immune system, these cells are like, oh, no, no, thank you. Mm. Yeah. They throw the steroid out. And, you know, so... so so whilst that's bad, at least that gives us a bit of information about yeah. well, well, how else can we target these cells once we know what, what they are. But, yeah. I think it's true that you know so people with your condition, some one person may respond to one type of immunosuppression and another responds to a totally different form. And I think it's trying, we're really, you know, the lab-based work and the clinical work and the research is aimed at trying to find what fits for the individual rather than looking at you as a group because it does have such a lot of inter-individual variants in yeah. terms of how we manage it yeah and that's the holy grail really yeah. as i see it yeah that we yeah, personalize totally. the medicine and we can work out what's going to fit for you when you come to clinic well thanks for taking the time to listen to episode two of keep it renal um, we've heard a lot from Cade there about nephrotic syndrome and how the fluid retention in his body was affecting him making him feel um and the side effects of the various steroids that he was on. I hope through these interviews you're really getting a sense of how lengthy and what just quite what a chore and a trial it can be for um, patients with kidney disease. You know, there's no there's no quick fix. There's a lot of various treatments that they end up going on and they have to be on them for a while to see whether they've worked or not. Um, so I hope if you are a kidney patient and you're listening to this that uh, your journey's going well. Um, I hope that you're sort of feeling emboldened by hearing Kate's story and perhaps hearing that other patients are going through similar things as you and that you're not alone. 
Um, additionally, if you're a researcher or a scientist listening to this, I hope you're gaining information from hearing about the patient stories. You know, as a researcher myself, we don't often interact with patients, so it's really nice to actually hear um, what goes on in the hospital and actually hear the human side of the disease rather than us just recognising these terms in journal articles. If you're a clinician, you probably sit quite nicely between these two aspects, so seeing the patients in your clinic and then doing the research as well. Um, but even so, I hope this forum has sort of given you time to perhaps indulge in a patient story, perhaps in the way that your strict master of the NHS doesn't allow for. So thank you very much for listening to episode two. Uh, again, as always, any and all feedback is more than welcome and you can provide that by leaving your comments using our Twitter handle, which is at KeepItRenal. This is a new endeavour and we do really want to customise it to what you guys want. So any and all feedback, very much welcome. You know, if, you, if there's any specialty or type of person you'd like us to interview and get more information from, we're more than open to suggestions. Uh, so please do get in touch. Uh, thank you. Take care. Um, if you're binging on the Keep It Renal podcast, I'll see you in 10 seconds. If not, I'll see you whenever you decide to come back and pick up on episode three, where we hear from Cade talking about how basically nothing is really working from him at this point and where he goes from there. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs>